Lord, come in and take over. It's such a good thing to do. It allows the Lord, who's a perfect gentleman, to come in and do things within your life that only he can do. Praise the Lord. Transformations that only he can perform. Miracles, signs and wonders that only he can do. Gifts of the Holy Spirit that only he can do. You know, we're inviting him, saying, I surrender, Lord. Let it be all you and not me. I just want more, Lord, more of you, more of you this year. Praise the Lord. Well, if you've done that, let's be seated. I just say that, you know, we so often hear churches talking, particularly this time of the year, and saying, you know, Lord, I want more. Lord, give me more. I want more this year. And, and we experience that sometimes, so many times, you think that that's what you say at the beginning of the year is I want more. But, you know, it's funny. I, I was uh, reflecting on that on that word more and how we've been saying we want more in 2022 and and uh, I was was looking at the way that when we do say that we're really we're really asking the Lord to do something more aren't we you know not necessarily putting something back on ourselves but really what will the Lord do to bring more and you know it's sort of all the expectation then goes on to him and uh and, you know, the Lord, the Lord showed me during the week and uh, on, certainly earlier in the week and not toward the end at all, it was earlier. And, and he showed me that, that what he does do to bring more is he prunes. Amen. That's something that he does. You know, I was just, just, just caught by that actually. And, and, and I just thought of the scripture that goes along with that. And then also a prophetic, a prophetic picture that he gave me. Um, and again, just really spoke loudly to me as well. But it's that verse from John 15, 1 that says, I am the true vine, and my father is the keeper of the vineyard. And all the grapes said, Amen. You know, <laughs> he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. You know, there's a little trim. And sometimes a little ouch to that trim too, isn't there? You know, and it says, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it to make it more fruitful. Amen. He prunes it to make it more fruitful. And we need to just take that on board this morning that, you know, when we're asking the Lord to do, you know, for more, sometimes he'll do something that causes us to really look, amen, at that area. And because he's, he's saying that for you to be more fruitful, he's going to come in with the shears. Give it a little, a little snip here and there. I'm no horticulturist, but I've seen it. I've been out there and, and realised uh, in, in vineyards and orchards I've worked, and uh, not vineyards, vineyards from, but orchards, you know, and they, they come in after every season and they prune the trees. And you think, what are they doing that for? Don't they want more fruit? But when they do, the more fruit comes. And uh, we, we need to appreciate that our God has said that he's the keeper of the vineyard. And we just got to make sure that we stay his grapes. I saw a, um, a picture and I shared it with the prayer room this morning, uh, earlier in the week. And uh, it really spoke to me and, uh, uh, and, and blessed me because, number one, Rosemary was cooking. And uh, her cooking always blesses me. And by the way, she's done the cooking this morning. So don't, she's going, don't, don't, don't. <laughs> but um, I think she got a few bargains from Coles, actually. But anyway, that's... Uh, <laughs> 
No, she made some things too. It's true, true. I saw the packet. And um, <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm in so much trouble. I assure you, I'm in so much trouble now. <laughs> Got it coming. But um, there's this vision and, and Rosemary was cooking and, and she was making like some kind of a dessert. And it was a, just a prophetic glimpse that the Lord gave me. In it. And she passed me the bowl. And in the bowl was like fruit. You know, like, I guess you'd like mixed fruits and all those kind of things. And, and I, uh, I looked at it and she gave it to me because my job was to take the stalks off the fruit. You know, that was my job, you know. And I, I, I kind of immediately understood what the Lord was saying is sometimes the fruit that's there has still got stalks on it. And, that, you know, we can't make, or the Lord can't develop the, 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 the creation that he wants from his church while the stalks are still there. You know, it's a message for us all. There's stalks in our lives that we need to, you know, uh, allow to be dropped off. And uh, areas where, you know, again, in line with wanting more, wanting to be more fruitful and allowing the Lord to prune us, in line with that, consider this morning that, you know, there's stalks that need to come off because they can't go in the dish. And uh, I never did get to see in the prophetic glimpse, you know, and, and picture what that end dish looked like. But I know it was, uh, I thought it was going to be a beauty. And I consider that to be the church that he'll raise up in the, in the end day is going to be a beauty church. You know, no stalks. And, uh, and of course, prepared for a heavenly father. Amen. Quite the dish. Hallelujah. Well, some of us just need to take that on board this morning. So why don't we pray? Father, we again thank you for an opportunity. Come around your word, Lord God. Not just the written word or the word that was studied out during the week, Lord God, but the words that you give during the week. And Lord, we, we open our hearts to receive, Lord God, that you might touch areas in our life, Lord. Lord, that we might be so touched today that it would continue on and, and, uh, and minister to us through the week. Little areas maybe of adjustment. Lord, little areas, Father God, that that need your pruning shears on them, Father. And we, we, we just submit ourselves afresh. Submit ourselves afresh for your word, Lord, your spoken word in our lives, not just your written word. And, Lord, we ask that you continue to speak to us because, Lord, we are a people that want more, more of you, more of your fruit in our lives, more of your harvest in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Well, we come around the word this morning and... Um, we are continuing with the subject. And of course, if you've, you've been away and you've missed you know, one of the, one of the uh, uh, series or one of the Sundays, there's always the church website that you can go to and uh, either listen to it on the site or download it and have a listen because there's always a bit of a sequence. So we usually pick up where we left off the year before and then we continue on a year before, the day before or the week before and, um, and of course continue on. And uh, praise the Lord that as we do, we get a, we, we, we get a continuing picture of what the Lord's saying to us and, and ministering into our hearts. And, and we, we press in for that. I've got all of my notes from Bible College, all right? And they sit in pride of place in my, in my shelf at home, my bookshelf, and they sit there and they're all, they're all colour-coded, first year's red, second year's uh, blue, and then the uh, third year was black, you know. And uh, they became less and less as you went. So there's more red than there was blue and, and there's only a couple of black ones there. But um, I keep them there in pride of place and I keep telling myself I'm going to refer back to them. 
you know, to sort of embellish my messages and bring something, you know, but I find that the Lord's always given me something fresh in any way. Hallelujah. I need to go back to my Bible college notes because that word did, just didn't end up in the files in the bookshelf. That word ended up in my heart. And, you know, and I've, you know, realised that those lecturers that were te lecturing uh, to us had same, you know, similar uh, experiences where they were just, they had notes, but God was bringing something fresh every time. And, uh, and it was uh, always a thrill. But um, we've been on the subject of, uh, of the pathways of God. And last week's topic was the atmosphere for his presence. I've got a bit of an echo there, Mark, at all, or is that sort of... Bit of an unusual ring. So um, we're just going to stay with that focus uh, this week. And as a church, we want to continue to be proactive in protecting and sustaining the atmosphere where his presence, and I appreciate the worship team this morning because we just got a lovely little place in his presence there and uh, we're able to worship, congregation able to worship, and uh, that's so important. And uh, we want to sustain his presence. Amen? And um, his power flows as well. You know, we want to be a people that see the, the result of his presence, which is, you know, the, the, the manifestation of, of his um, transformation in our lives. And there's been sometimes I've gone home from church and, and the sense of God's presence has stayed, stayed with me, you know, from the Sunday service, has stayed with me for two, three days. You know, just, just that, what, whatever it was that God did in me, stayed for two or three days. And I love that. I don't know about anyone else, but I, I say, let's have some more of that. Amen? And, uh, and protect that. His power flows. And, you know, saving the lost, setting captives free, glorifying the name of Jesus. It's not only uh, uh, what we should be re uh, receiving here, but getting ready for the fact that that's what's ahead of us as well. Amen? That's what's ahead of us in, in, in heaven. Well, like Moses, we all want to know God's way for our lives, don't we? We all want to know his ways for our, for our lives. And, and this series is the pathways of God, and, and uh, we're talking about his pathways. And, and uh, Moses, he was no different. He wanted it as well, and we see and saw that in um, Exodus chapter 33, Verse 13 to, uh, to 14, it says, Now, if indeed I have found favour in your sight, please let me know your ways. He asked the question. Let me know your ways, that I may know you and find favour in your sight. Remember that this nation is your people. And the Lord answered and said, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. You know, in the context of the whole of chapter 33 and time prevents us from going right through it, the dialogue with God between God and Moses is a result of the people of Israel, as we saw last week, tripped up. You know, they slipped up. And uh, the Lord was saying to Abraham, well, they're a stiff-necked stiff, stiff lot. That's what they are, just stiff-necked. And, uh, and the Lord was saying, I'm not going to go with you uh, in case I consume you. <laughs> in other words, it's going, to be, it's going to be messy if we keep going this way. And he said this, he says, I'll send an angel instead. That was like the, the summary of the conversation. I'll, I'll send an angel with you, but I'm not going. And like Moses, we all need to have that commitment to knowing and staying on his pathway 
and maintaining an atmosphere for his presence and his rest. That's the rest that he gives, remember? There's, there's no better rest because it's heartfelt, isn't it? You know. And, and get this, church, there's no substitute for his presence. You know, doesn't matter how good the music gets, how delicious the morning tea is, Rosemary, or the sense of <laughs> satisfaction, you know, we may gain when we serve in the house and feel fulfilled because we, we blessed so many people in what we did and in our serving. We need to be all about God's presence and follow the disciplines that sustain it for our day-to-day lives and, and not just for our congregational gatherings. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. And we want to be about the presence of God and we have to discipline ourselves with God's way. His way is the love and forgiveness way. Amen. It's the reconciliation way, not the retaliation way. And Jesus said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have what for one another? Love for one another. Not revenge for one another, but love for one another. I, um, I love the story of the uh, African-American preacher. I might have told this one once or twice before here in the church, but... Some of you haven't heard it, so I'll share it again. The African-American preacher who receives and accepts an invite to preach in a local church, and it's in one of the southern states of the U.S., probably Georgia, somewhere like that. I don't know how far south that is, but, you know, down that way. And uh, Andrew. And anyway, this day that he's due to preach in this church, he, he, he rolls up into the car park and makes his way up to the front steps And he's greeted by the usher at the door. And he says to them, usher says to the preacher, can I help you? And he says, well, actually, I'm your preacher today. And he gives him his business card. And, uh, and of course, the the usher looks at at the card and looks at the preacher and says, I'm sorry, there must be some mistake. You know, um, we're an all white church. And, uh, and of course, he realises what's happened and realises that his name hadn't, and they didn't, hadn't looked at his profile or seen who he was and, and uh, any of his background. And, of course, he kind of, you know, it takes him back. And, of course, he kind of realises he's actually not welcome. And he wanders down the steps of the church and kind of, just not even goes to his car. He kind of wanders up the street and finds a park and finds a park bench, sits down on the park bench and uh, starts to have a little weep. You can't help but feel for him. And the Lord speaks to him at that moment. And says to him, what are you crying about? He says, I've been trying to get into that church for years. You know. And that's, that's what we've got to understand. More than anything else, is that we've got to cherish the presence of God in our house. And, that, and, we've, and we know in this church better than, better than, well, I wouldn't say all of the churches, but we know in this church God loves us all. He loves us all dearly, you know. You know, in, in heaven, you know, we're all, we're, we're all the same. And, and in church, so are we, all the same. Amen? 
No matter what our background is, our ethnic background, no matter what, we're all the same. We're all equal in our Heavenly Father's sight. So what are we pursuing then? What are we going after? Maturity. Hallelujah. That's what we continue to pursue. That's what we go after. We go after maturity. And uh, he loves us as, as, you know, where we are. And he loves us so much he doesn't want to leave us where we are. And there is that place of maturity and growing. And, you know, the thing to ask about God's hand upon your life is this. Is it a hand and is it an attention, is it an experience that you're having that's going to cause you to grow? It's going to cause you to mature because that's what we need to go after, particularly if we want more. Amen. Amen. Moses is convinced of his highest need. It's the presence of God. And we saw that. Look what he says in Exodus chapter 33, verse 15. He says this, If your presence does not go with us, Moses replied, Let's not go. Do not lead us up from here, he says. For how then can it be known that your people and I have found favour in your sight unless you go with us? He's saying, don't send an angel. We want your presence. How else will we be distinguished from all the other people on the face of the earth? Thank the Lord. You know, God's presence is a mark of God's favour upon us. It distinguishes us. And we should pursue it not just on Sunday when we gather together and worship the Lord, but all the way through the week. We should, we should pursue that. Amen. With all our hearts. So that there's just something different about the room that we walk into. Amen. There's something different about the presence uh, and the atmosphere because we're there. Because we bring a change to that atmosphere. Amen. Because of God in our life. And don't think that that's just airy-fairy stuff. It's, it's doable. Amen? It's doable. A church without his presence is just a religious observation, a tradition to maintain, or a social club that provides us with an outing to get dressed up. <laughs> Everyone that got dressed up today said amen. Maybe just a position that makes us feel important that we can posture from. You know, church needs to be bigger than those things. You know, when we gather together, we should come in with so hungry for his presence, so delighted in the thought that, you know, he's going to come. And uh, what's the word for it? How's it go? He's going to um, inhabit the praises of his people. can't think of the verse at the moment, but that's, that's, what he, that's what he says in his word he'll do. He'll inhabit the praises of his people. So that doesn't say when you're at church... So why don't we start praising him all the week long? Because he's going to inhabit that. He's going to turn up for that. You know, so often when we want to make a change, the first person to deal with is the person in the mirror. It's the first obstacle that we come up with when we want change. We say, look, you know, I like what Pastor's teaching about today. I think I'm going to make a change. Well, it's not me that you're going to have to deal with in regard to that change. It'll be the person in the mirror. It maybe is a little change resistant. And um, no one likes change, especially them. <laughs> Last week we finished uh, with a verse that highlighted the need to always be ready to examine ourselves. And uh, I liked it. And I'll just 
feel we should repeat it again. Psalm 19, verse 12 to 14, it says, we can dis- Who can discern his own errors? And then he says this, Cleanse me from my hidden faults. You know, that's our blind spots. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. He says this, then I will be blameless and cleansed of great transgression. And then the verse that we know from that passage quite well is, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. What we think on, what we meditate on, you know, what we allow uh, to come out of our mouths is a result of what we meditated on and then, then what we allowed to come out of our mouths. And we're all in that same boat where we've got to look at that and ask ourselves, is it pleasing in God's sight? And let that be our rule. And he finishes and says, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Praise the Lord. He's our, he's our solid foundation. Here David is recognising that he may have faults, and we, if you read about David, he had some, you know. Did some things that weren't so good. And, uh, and he had some faults that he was, he's saying here that he wasn't even aware of them. Perhaps behaviours that at times he doesn't see. He calls them hidden faults. And, but he appeals to the Lord, shine your light on me and show me. Why? Because he's, like we said last week, he's not going to stay down. He's going to get up. He's not going to sit in darkness and let the devil rejoice over him. When he falls, he's determined to rise. He wants the salvation of God and the mark of God's trans- transformation in his life to be his boast. God transformed my life. I'm so happy. You know, I love testimonies where people are saying, I could have I ended up on the, you know, the dump heap. I could have ended up here. I could have ended up you know, in all these terrible, horrific places, but God transformed my life. I love those testimonies. Amen. You know, the wound makes us want to retaliate. I'll say it again. The wound makes us want to retaliate. But the word, God's word, the word will want us, want us, will make us want to reconcile. And David wanted that. He wanted what was going on in his heart and ha- you know, in his mouth, he wanted it to be pleasing to the Lord. So he made sure he got to that point where, where he said, Lord, help me with what I meditate on. Help me with what's in my heart. Help me with what's, in, what's uh, on, on my mouth. And we saw last week from the prophet Micah. Micah 7 and verse 7 to 8, he says, Therefore I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. There's a confidence, isn't it? That God's going to hear me when I cry out to the Lord, you know. Tell you, he's waiting to draw near to us. Praise the Lord. And look what then he says. And then he makes the decree to the enemy. And we looked at it last week. It's worth looking at again. He makes the decree to the enemy. Do not rejoice over me, my enemy. When I fall, I will arise. In other words, I'm not staying down. I'm going to get back up again. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. In other words, when you've had those bad moments, those moments that you have a, something of regret, don't sit there. 
don't stay there. Don't be there found sitting in darkness two weeks later. He says, the Lord will be a light to me. That's what we're going to get up with. We're going to get up with his word in our life. When we stumble because of offence, the way out of darkness is to let the light of the word guide us and deliver us and get us back on the right pathway where God wants us. Now, I shared this statement last week, and I want to repeat it. And it's this. Thank the Lord that in the midst of relationships, we have the spiritual attitudes and strength in our inner man to rise up above hurts and grievances, to lift ourselves up out of darkness and get back on track. And we should be thankful that we have the direction and guidance of God to avoid stumbling blocks and to quickly rise up. Because God doesn't want us sitting in darkness. He does not want us sitting there. And he's going to send his word, you know, like little, little ropes into that place of darkness so that we can grab a hold of it, pull ourselves up out of that place, get it behind us and keep, keep walking on into what he has for us in the future. You know, I love Psalm 33 and, and I would say that probably most that have been here for uh, the years that we've been here at Victory Life, they would know that we preach from this, we teach from this. It's the, it's the uh, landing page on my, on my um, that talk about the four core values. And one of those is harmony. And uh, it's a real important uh, a platform, I believe, that a church should be built upon. Because it clearly defines a result for the people of God that are wanting to conduct their relationships in a manner that pleases the Lord. Like what we've been talking about. Watching over the meditations of our heart watching over what we say, are people determined to sustain an atmosphere for his presence? Can I get a big amen on that? Amen. Harmony has been one of those core values that we've, we've spoke about, we pray about, we, we, we uh, look for uh, as we gather together. And I want to read from Psalm 133, verse 1, uh, right down to verse 3. It's not a big chapter because it's an important chapter and we need to get it. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live together in harmony. It is like the fine oil on the head running down on the beard, running down Aaron's beard. I'll say it again. It's like the fine oil on the head running down on the beard, running down Aaron's beard, over the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon falling on the mountains of Zion. For there... The Lord has bestowed the blessings of life forevermore. You know, I love the analogies that are in this. That when we dwell together in harmony, blessings come down. The psalm does not leave us guessing where the blessings come from either. We can experience open heaven. We've even, we've even sung about open heaven this morning. And notice that the oil that came down, and it, it's talking about blessings that come down from heaven. The, the, it's, it's likened to the oil that came down on Aaron's beard. And you know what? I don't think that was one of those anointings where you just get a little dab and just... They poured that oil on Aaron and it got on everything. And that's what happens when we dwell together in harmony. It gets on everything. It was everywhere. And just in case we still haven't got a hold of the picture of what these blessings are like that come down because we operate in harmony and unity together, and follow the disciplines of it. Look what it says. It's like the Jew of Hermon. 
Now, I've never been there, but I can understand what Jews like. It gets on everything, doesn't it? You go out on a dewy morning and everything's wet. And that's the picture of the blessings that will be upon us when we follow the disciplines of harmony and unity. But here's the question. In the time that we've got remaining, I want to go through them. What are they? We have to know what they are so that we can follow them. I'm so glad you asked about that because, you know, the first one is, and we've already spoken about it, withholding retaliation. You know, when Jesus hung, nailed to the cross, having been reviled, spat upon, crucified, his answer was not, just you wait till I come back, you know. It wasn't that at all, was it? How many know that his response was not about retaliation? His response was about reconciliation. He knew what he was there for. Let's be the same. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know. And sometimes when we've been hurt, we, we, we might think about that. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do, particularly when we're hurting, where we probably haven't gone through a process of reconciliation just yet. You know, let it be the foundation thought. Father, forgive them. Let's be the same. The Bible says we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. If you're in the house today and you're thinking, I don't know what my ministry is, I can tell you right now. It's the ministry of reconciliation. It's that, it's that call to be interested in the salvation of others. You know, and and we're so much contributing to that when we build into the harmony and unity of the church because when people come in, the blessings are on everything. You know, the tissues get reached for because they're so touched in their hearts. Something's happening, something's different. I don't know what that is, but I feel like crying. I've heard it too many times before, people walking through the door. Haven't even been here two minutes and they go, I feel like crying. I don't know what that is either, but... <laughs> Actually, I do know what that is. You know, it's the presence of God here. And he's starting to work on hearts, starting to probe uh, into people's spirits, you know, touching them as only he can. I haven't got a sermon for that. I couldn't produce a tear if I tried, you know, a sad sermon to get more people crying. I haven't got one, you know. <laughs> but God knows how to touch hearts. And we make room for him to do that when we, you know, build into the unity and the harmony of the house. I like um, the first point that we're looking at is we're holding a retaliation. It's only a small scripture, but we'll look at it. Father, forgive them for they know what they do. A few years ago, and I'll just share this, uh, the time we've got remaining, um, this one day Rosemary was working through the onset of a cold. Now I want you to know that Rosemary has already cleared this with me, that I'm okay to share this. Okay. <laughs> Alright, because if anyone's sitting there sort of squirming in your seat for Rosemary, it's okay, we've talked about it. So I'm going to share this with permission. <laughs> anyway, Rosemary was working through the onset of a little cold. She had a little tickle in her throat, she was starting to feel a little bit unwell a couple of years ago. Thankfully she didn't have to go down and get a COVID test. You know, but she's just working through a little cold there, and uh, and, and and what she likes is to put a s soup on the stove, and let that, you know, that 
chicken and those vegetables just kind of really reduced down. And, um, and of course, uh, she said, look, boys, me and Johnson, because we both were in wrong that day, um, look, I've just put that, that's, that pot on the stove and uh, make sure it doesn't run dry, was what she said to us. Make sure it doesn't run dry. All the women said, yeah, don't, don't let it run dry. Um, so anyway, we, we were sort of fairly busy, so we thought, we don't want this to run dry and mum's having a bit of a nap now. So, so um, I, we thought, well, we've got to keep water in it. So we went out and got ourselves a big jug of water and, of course, poured it in the pot. You know, filled it right up to the brim. I says, that is not going to run dry now. And, <laughs> and all the cooks said, no, no, that's not what you do. But we did it and, um, and of course, topped it up in about 30 minutes or so, we were off doing something else. Um, Rose came out to get her chicken soup and, of course, there it was still pretty much to the top of the pot, big pot. And uh, she wasn't happy. In fact, she was very unhappy, and there were some words, some crosswords exchanged, and uh, we, we, uh, after a little while, realised just how unhappy she was, and, <laughs> and we thought we better go for a drive. You know, Johnson and I said, let's just split. You know, <laughs> and we did. You know, we went out. And we thought we'd go to Macca's or something, or do, you know, Scottish food sounds good about now. You know, anyone for KFC? You know. <laughs> So we were off, we went out for a drive and gave mum some space and we probably stayed a little longer than we thought. We went, and went to one of the beaches and just sort of hung out for a little while. We thought, probably safe to go back now, you know. <laughs> An hour has gone by, you know, and so we... we uh, because when we came home, we parked the car in the carport and came through the gate and we're walking up the pathway and uh, couldn't help but notice something in the middle of the lawn <laughs> just sitting there, you know. And what it was, it was the pot of soup upended and thrown on the lawn. <laughs> I couldn't help but go, Johnson, is that the pot? <laughs> Johnson's down there smiling. I can see him behind the, uh, the screens there. And uh, he said yes. And, you know, uh, I'll just say this, and, of course, Rosemary, I cleared this with Rosemary before I shared it, and she, she doesn't mind you knowing that she did get upset that day with us. But, you know, the pot was cleaned and the soup picked up, I think, probably the same day. You know, and we disposed of it. And, and uh, But let you know, the stain of retaliation was on that lawn for a week, even longer. The stain of retaliation. That's the thing to avoid, isn't it? You know, Rosemary wanted to send a very strong message to us and... And uh, it was a constant reminder. <laughs> Every time we walked out to the car, there was this stain in the middle of the lawn where the lawn had died because of the hot soup being thrown on it. All right? You couldn't see the pot. You couldn't see what had happened, but you could see the stain of retaliation. Amen? How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know, we need to be a people that leave a mark, not a stain. Amen? Here's another discipline of harmony, and I know I'm going close to being over time, but just hang in with me. There's only a couple more scriptures to go. Here's another discipline of harmony, all right? If anyone has hurt you, offended you, either intentionally or unintentionally, we should, and most of us would agree, we would seek to resolve the difference. The world's way is don't get angry, get even. 
You've all heard that. But God's way is always designed around reconciliation, about harmony and unity, you know, building back in and forgiving. And reconciling first requires that we go to them, and I just put it in brackets, in private. Don't go to someone else. That's how strife happens. That's where divisions begin in the church. Churches splitting over disputes and differences. And I've heard them. I've heard, we have people, so many guests and visitors come uh, in here through the year and they say, uh, gee, this church is so unified. You've got such harmony going on in here. And we say well, we have to work for it. We have to follow the disciplines that build it. We promote unity and harmony when we direct those that have a complaint toward others that come to us by sending them to the person they have a problem with. And that can happen right across the whole congregation. And guess what we're doing? We're building harmony. We're building unity. See, if I've got a problem with someone down the back, you know, I mean, the pastors obviously tend to sort of get, you know, involved in problems, but... You know, if, if, if I'm just someone in the church, I've got a problem down the, with someone down the back, I'm not going to talk to someone down the front about it, you know. I've got to stay clear of that and, um, and be free. Direct the person that they have a complaint with to the person. And in doing so, in doing so, you open up an opportunity for reconciliation just to occur because they're talking because they're working through a difference or a, 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 a hurt, something that was, that was experienced. Maybe even the person that, uh, that actually did the hurting didn't even know they were doing it. Can I get an amen? You're very quiet in this Pentecostal church. <laughs> we are talking about that earlier, about some of the good old sayings um, that come out. But Jesus taught this. Look what he said in Matthew chapter 18. Uh, at verse 15, he said, Moreover, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault, you and him alone. You know, you might need to get the, you know, like Maxwell Smart thing, the code of silence to come down, you know. The cone of silence, you know, it's a good thing. But you and him alone. If he hears you, you've gained your brother. And if he's a good believer, you would have gained your brother because they'll be talking and working through the little, you know, uh, issue. Third thing, and I've only got three points for this discipline of, of harmony and unity, is forgiving like Jesus forgave. Forgiving like Jesus forgave. And I've got this passage here which I love, which is Ephesians 4, verse 30 to 32. It says, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. That's where the blessings come from, isn't it? The Holy Spirit in our presence. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Look what he says in verse 31. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamour and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And the, the answer, this is how we, do, we need to behave. Verse 32. Be kind to one another. Tender hearted. Forgiving one another. And we've got the level, the standard given to us straight away. Forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave you. Forgiving one another. What if they're not repentant? Doesn't matter. What if they're, they're, they don't want to reconcile? Forgive them anyway. What if they don't agree? Forgive them anyway. You see. 
just as God in Christ forgave you. I can't remember where they, I think it might have come from Di's message this morning uh, around that area of reconciliation. Even when we didn't deserve it, he forgave us. And he demonstrates his love toward us in that, you know, he forgave us, even when we didn't have it coming. The Holy Spirit is grieved by our actions that are about retaliation and not about reconciliation. And as a church leadership, know and understand our purpose, where, you know, we have written it, you know, on the sign, we have church with a purpose. We know that that purpose is to raise up sons and daughters. That's mature believers. Mature believers that know how to do and, and, and walk through uh, the mature things. Make those decisions that I'm going I'm to walk as a son and daughter today. Those that have the father's heart, that's a son and a daughter. They have their father's heart and they see as the father sees. You walk this way and watch out, the Lord starts showing you more, more. You know, he starts bringing more into your life because he sees that you're serious about walking as a son and a daughter. Jesus taught the peacemakers are blessed. Jesus taught that, that the peacemakers are blessed. I don't know about you, but I want to be in that number. Matthew 5, verse 9, last scripture, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for what will they be called? Sons and daughters. Sons and daughters of God. And I'll tell you what, church, because we've been born again of a heavenly father, it's in our DNA already. We just got to cooperate with it, you know. We can shine brightly because he's designed us to shine brightly. We just got to cooperate with it and get in line and start walking it out. This message is, and this series is about the pathways of God. We've got to get on track. And if we, <laughs> if we fall off it, we've just got to get back on track again and just keep on, you know. It's in our spiritual DNA to be peacemakers, people who forgive quickly, and let's stay on that pathway. Let's stay on track with God's goodness and abundance this year. That was the first verse that we started to bring out this year was about the pathways of, of God are all about goodness and his abundance. Amen? Amen. Well.